Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And good morning, everyone. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Uh, Normally, I try to make the show not time sensitive uh, for those of you that are catching the evening rerun. But uh, I'm just sick this morning, came in, uh, started pulling up the latest news reports so we could talk about it, and uh, as you probably may have heard, there has been a just a terrible, terrible uh, train crash in the New Jersey transit system in Hoboken uh, in the route to Manhattan, so in Hoboken, New Jersey, um, train coming to the station, there are eyewitnesses individual that was on the train is reporting that the train never slowed down and it just rammed into the station. There was no braking, no slowing whatsoever, just a a full-out, full-speed crash. One person has been confirmed dead, a hundred plus others. The city is saying, or excuse me, New Jersey Transit transit spokeswoman is saying that more than 100 people have been injured in that crash and that most of those are in critical condition they are expecting uh that that number may also rise throughout the day as i've seen numbers as high as 15,000 people potentially on or around uh, that train at the time of its crashing so please uh, be in prayer for those individuals and their families today as they deal with this terrible time and for law enforcement personnel as they look into what may or may not have caused this. Uh, initial reports from law enforcement are saying that this is not terrorism related as best they can tell uh, at the moment. Of course, it is early in their investigation and the priority at the moment is uh, assisting the wounded. So that's just a, a very, very sad start to the day, sad start to the show. Um, but I did want to make you aware of that situation if you are listening this morning, because this is uh, very recently, this this happened this morning. Um, so I hope you'll join me in praying for that those families that have people uh, involved in that accident as well as the wounded individuals themselves. Uh, all In another story that could have been tragic and, and is still somewhat but not nearly to the degree that it may have happened thanks to a volunteer firefighter, there was a shooting at a, a school in South Carolina yesterday, and there is a, a volunteer firefighter who is being hailed as the hero for subduing a teen gunman who opened fire at an elementary school. Uh, According to Fox Carolina, from Fox News, authorities said a 14-year-old opened fire on the Townville Elementary School playground just before 2 p.m. Two male students and a female teacher were struck by the gunfire. None of those injuries were critical. One was shot in the leg, one was shot in the foot, and the teacher, I believe, was shot in the shoulder. 
but Anderson County Emergency Management Director Taylor Jones said that a teacher called 911 and Townville firefighter Jamie Brock was one of the first to arrive on the scene. Jones said Brock engaged the gunman and took him down and held him until deputies arrived. A minute later, the gunman was in custody. Brock has been a Townville firefighter for 30 years. He also volunteers with the Crossroads Fire Department in Oakney County and won the Firefighter of the Year for the department, according to Fox Carolina. Brock has said he doesn't want the attention. He just wants to remain, quote, humble and quiet about it and believes he did nothing any of the other volunteer firefighters wouldn't have done. Um, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham tweeted, Thank you, Jamie Brock, the volunteer firefighter who stopped the Townville shooter. We truly admire and appreciate your service. Authorities said the shooting spree started at the teen's house about two miles from the school where he killed his 47-year-old father, Jeffrey Osborne. Authorities haven't released his name, but they've identified him as a 14-year-old. Crying and upset, he had called his grandmother's cell phone at 1.44 p.m., so just really uh, minutes before this happened, he called his grandmother. The grandparents couldn't understand what was going on uh, because he was crying and upset. They didn't know what he was saying. So they went to his home, which is just 100 yards from from where they live. And when they got there, they found his father, uh, Jeffrey Osborne, dead and their grandson gone. About one minute later, authorities received a 911 call from a teacher at the school in this rural town about 110 miles northeast of Atlanta. The shooter took a truck. No one's really sure at this point what truck it was or who it belonged to. Took the truck into the school parking lot and immediately started firing as he got out and moved toward the school. Um, And he declined to say how many shots were fired. One student, as I mentioned, was shot in the leg, the other in the foot. The female teacher was hit in the shoulder. We are heartbroken about the senseless act of violence, the superintendent said. Authorities have yet to identify a possible motive for the shooting, uh, and we're unsure if the students and teacher were targeted or if there is something else going on because the gunman uh, was homeschooled. The teen's mother was at work at the time of the shooting. This school is surrounded by working farms and has only about 300 students in its pre-kindergarten to 6th grade classroom. Uh, This is the country. Brandy Pierce, the mother of a 6th grader, told the Associated Press as she began to cry, You don't have this in the country. It just doesn't exist out here. Some of the students ran into the bathroom at the time of the shooting. And uh, Governor Nikki Haley released a statement saying as we work together with law enforcement to make sure they have the support they need to investigate what happened in Townville, Michael and I ask that everyone across South Carolina join us in praying for the entire Townville Elementary School family and those touched by today's tragedy. Uh, So really, really sad news for this young man and his father, his family. Uh, Fortunately, as I said, only three individuals were were shot none of them critically which is a gr- really the best result possible for school shootings in the day and age in which we live obviously we don't want anyone to get shot but you know oftentimes when you see these school shooting headlines it is not a good thing because there are fatalities and multiple multiple injuries so this is is relatively Low, and it's because of the heroic actions of this volunteer firefighter who was able to subdue this uh, troubled teen. And that is, uh, it just 
breaks my heart. Like I said, I came into the studio this morning, had plans of where I wanted to go with the show, the things I wanted to talk about, and then I see the headlines for this crash in Hoboken, and then um, the updates on, on yesterday's school shooter, and just makes your heart sink, you know? Can you imagine what life would be like if we didn't have hope in Jesus? Can you imagine if you didn't have a future, if you didn't have that assurance, if you didn't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If you ever wonder why news outlets or or just people in general are kind of doom and gloom sometimes, ask yourself, what, what what do they have to hope for? There is no hope in life outside of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that purpose in life, if you don't have that peace that passes understanding when things like this happen, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine the heartache and the heartbreak and how you move on after something like this if you're involved in either one of these situations or anything even remotely like it without a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't imagine. And my heart just breaks for these people. All right. Um, let's let's move on. If we have any updates regarding the crash uh, here th- this morning while we are live, we'll bring those to you. I'm sure that it will, we'll have much more information by the time the show re-airs. But at the moment, I'm just giving you what we have this morning. Um not seeing not seeing anything uh well, it's up to three have been confirmed dead from the train crash now still saying many critical 100 wounded so we'll, we'll continue to monitor that for you um let's move on let's talk about a couple things that are that are better news we'll start with Tim Tebow because Tim Tebow should make you smile if there, when there are, when there's sad news, Tim, just the mention of his name, I think, would would make you smile. At least if you're a, a single Christian girl, like me. So, uh, yesterday, Tim Tebow made his minor league baseball debut on the Mets instructional league. He walks up to the plate, first ever at bat, first pitch, 91 mile an hour fastball, out of the park, home run. Boom. And so, of course, all the world goes crazy, and I join them because I'm a big Tim Tebow fan, and that bodes well for his chances to make it to Las Vegas and play for the 51s where we can go and watch him every day because I'm quite certain that my boss is going to allow me to do that. Uh, In his second at-bat, however, Tebow grounded into a double play. Then he went one for three, one for four, and finished the day one for six. So while we are all hailing the fact that Tebow's first ever at-bat went over the wall, which is great, and really, do you expect anything else from Tim Tebow? Although I was a little disappointed that we didn't have any eye black, no John 316, no nothing happened in there. Um, but it's, you know, it's okay. I, I get it. It's not football. It's a different sport. But, yeah. Anyhow, um... He didn't have a a stellar day overall. It just began very well, but it was a, it was a decent day, decent day for Tebow, decent day for Tebow fans. In fact, I think it was 
It was quite nice. But I also want to tell you about something I did yesterday. This was just so great to see. As some of you probably know, I prior to radio in a land far away many years ago, actually not that many, I lived down in Henderson and I was a personal assistant for a gentleman named Sam Schmidt. Sam owns a IndyCar team, Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, which is based out of Indianapolis, but he's here in Las Vegas because uh, he is a he's a quadriplegic. He was paralyzed in a racing uh, test at Disneyland Speedway, I believe it was, or Disney World Speedway, uh, one of the Disney Speedways at the time. Uh, he was in a really just violent crash. And uh, that left him a quadriplegic doctor said that he would never be able to function without a ventilator. I don't want to give his whole story away because I'm trying to get him on the show to tell it himself. It's a phenomenal story of of <sighs> pressing through and trusting God no matter what life brings. And though Sam is still a quadriplegic today, the number of lives that he has been able to impact... Uh, and the hope that he's been able to bring to others with similar disabilities has been incredible and amazing. And yesterday, he just shattered all kinds of glass ceilings. He's been working with Aero Electronics, which is a, a tech company based out of Denver, Colorado. They're actually, their headquarters are right next to the Broncos headquarters, which is kind of ironic because I got to see them every time I go to Denver. But um, Aero, I love this company. Because what they're doing, uh, they, they do their, their electronic stuff and their tech stuff, but they're also working to create technology, and they're not patenting it. This, this is what I, I learned this yesterday, and it just blew my mind. They're working to create technology to help individuals with disabilities like Sam to improve uh, their, their quality of life and as they're creating this technology that helps those who uh, who are quads or paraplegics, they're not patenting it so that anyone that wants to create any type of technology using the things that they've learned can do so. So it's really for them about the uh, serving the community rather than simply making money. But so anyway, I went up to uh, the Speedway yesterday. Lieutenant Governor Hutchinson was up there. Many, many uh, state dignitaries, individuals from the Department of Transportation. And we were on hand to witness Lieutenant Governor Hutchinson present Sam Schmidt with the first ever autonomous driver's license. Yeah, Sam Schmidt, former IndyCar race car driver, I watched him yesterday use his head and his mouth to drive a, I don't know if it was a Z6, some kind of really cool looking Corvette. If you go to my Twitter page, you can see pictures of it or just uh, Google Sam Schmidt uh, drive Las Vegas and you'll, you'll see it. It's, it was a big deal in the news yesterday. He used his head and his mouth 
to drive a car. So they, they presented him with an autonomous driver's license, but autonomous cars imply that there's no one actually driving it, that the car is driving itself. But the car isn't driving itself in Sam's case. Uh, it was fascinating to hear the representatives from NDOT and, and the state talk about how they wanted to get Sam this license, but they don't have anything in regulations right now that is even remotely close to the way Sam drives. So the way they did it was they worked it in so that it's an autonomous, they call it an autonomous vehicle, but it's not actually an autonomous vehicle. Sam is actually driving it with his head and his mouth. It's incredible. He has this, uh, it's like a like a big tube straw, and depending on how fast he blows into it or, or if he inhales, it it goes and stops, and he uses his head to, to turn, and really amazing. He peeled out of the speedway, took a little drive around, and then uh, and then came back, did donuts in the parking lot. Uh, amazing. Literally incredible. You got to go and Google it. Google it. It's radio, so I can't show you. If this was TV, I would show you Sam driving with his head in his mouth. Fascinating. No, there's not like a steering wheel involved. They they made this apparatus that he wears on his head. It's sometimes he wears a hat. I don't I didn't see the hat yesterday, so I'm not sure if they've revised that. But based on like how he turns his head and what he does with his head, incredible. And there was a big press conference and stuff. And my favorite part, uh, I know his his two kids, Savannah and Spencer, and his wife Sheila and their their family. Everybody was there, but. Uh, so they, they opened it up for questions and his daughter, Savannah, this was my favorite part of the whole thing. She said, uh, now remember he's a quadriplegic. So for example, when I, when I worked for him, um, I'd pretty much just go anywhere that Sam went and whatever Sam was doing, I was doing, that was my job. One of my jobs was to chauffeur him around. So he has this big old van and, uh, to help load him in there and then drive him wherever he was going to go. There is no pressure quite like the pressure of driving around a former uh, professional racer, in case you were wondering. Particularly if you're happening to pick up uh, CEOs of some of America's largest companies, and then you're driving the former race car driver and these CEOs, which if I mentioned their companies, you would know them immediately, and you almost kill them all. Like, that's just a great experience, which I don't have time to tell you about today, but which still haunts me. Um, I don't think any of them remember it, though, because I saw both of those individuals yesterday at the event, and they didn't seem to recognize me, so I thought that was a good thing. And while I could have introduced myself, I thought... (laughs) I thought we would just let that one go. So, uh, anyway, so I would drive Sam around, his his wife drives him around, and the humility... Like, Sam is one of the funniest people I know, but he's so humble, too. You know, he's a professional racer. He won the IndyCar race here in Vegas. Uh, I don't remember what year, early 90s, I think. His rookie season, he was on fire. He was going to go places in IndyCar, and his career was just cut so short. And it's really the story. I'm not, okay, I can't tell you the story because I'm trying to have him on the show to tell it himself. But, so he's he's been driven around everywhere. And as a race car driver, the opportunity to drive again and to drive a sports car. He did a, a competitive drive in Pi- at Pikes Peak earlier this year. He's driven around the Indianapolis Speedway in this car uh, this year and last year. I think this year he got up to 158 miles per hour. Okay, where am I going with this? Take it back. 
what I was, uh, I explained that all to say when they opened it up for questions yesterday when Governor Hutchinson presented him with his license, his daughter Savannah, who I believe is now either 18 or 19 years old, said, uh, asked a question. She said, so dad, how does this affect your life? You know, for not having driven for so long and now you're able to get back behind the wheel of the car. How does this, what does this change for you? How does this change your life? And he looked at her and he said, now I get to take, I get to drive you on a date instead of you driving me. And it was, it was so precious. And uh, I don't think, at least among those of us that actually know Sam and know his family, I don't think there was a dry eye in the room in that moment. Um, really just an incredible thing that the state of Nevada did yesterday for Sam and an incredible accomplishment for Sam and Aero Electronics. It's It was all over our local news. If you missed it, I'm telling you, Google it. Uh, Google Sam Schmidt, Aero Car, Sam Car, anything like that, or go to my Twitter Facebook page. That's a good place to start, but you want to check this out. This is a great, great inspirational story, and I couldn't be more honored to know Sam and know his family and uh, and watch them progress on this journey of life. Um, so congrats to congrats to Sam, and thanks to the state of Nevada for, for working overtime, really, uh, to help Sam and those with similar disabilities uh, to progress down this road of potentially uh, helping to empower those with these types of disabilities to, to get back on the road in a safe way. And there was a lot of, of discussion about safety and different things in the in the press conference. And if we are able to get Sam on the show, we'll, we'll get into more of that. But I just wanted to to recognize that it was incredible to be at that ceremony yesterday uh, with the lieutenant governor. And I uh, just wanted to, to wish our best to Sam and his family and say congrats to them. Local, local fam that's doing great things. All right, break time. We're going to play a Mighty to Save from Hillsong Acoustic, and we will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Today we have Candy Cushman. She's an education analyst for Focus on the Family, and uh, she spearheads religious freedom initiatives for both students and parents. Candy, welcome to the program. Thanks. It's wonderful to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you here. So I was I was doing a little research, looking up different things that you've done in the past, and obviously we're going to talk about Bring Your Bible to School Day. But first, I saw that you started a program called True Tolerance, and I wanted to ask you about that because it looked uh, it it looked fascinating to me. So tell us about this program, True Tolerance. Well, that's right. That's our parent-centered program. Uh, you know, we try to equip both parents and students to navigate our school system, you know, especially in, in public schools. It's getting more challenging for Christian families to just figure out how to, uh, you know, make sure their family's values are being respected and acknowledged and also demonstrating love to those around them. And so we try to help them navigate that, and we have resources for students and parents. And so this is our parent-focused one. And the whole idea, the reason it's called true tolerance, is that we're challenging the public school system to practice the true meaning tolerance sure. uh, for all people in the community, including those with religious perspectives. Yeah, and I, I love that that's the name, because so often today in our culture, when people say tolerance, 
they're only talking about being tolerant of of one side of an issue. You know, if you if you have an alternate opinion, then it's not so much about tolerance anymore. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of irony with the way that that's playing out with these uh, so-called tolerance initiatives or programs, uh, supposedly training people to be tolerant, but at the same time ridiculing certain viewpoints or censoring them. So that's what right. we're, we're helping people navigate. Right, and, and one of the ways that I think that you guys are doing that is uh, you have this Bring Your Bible to School Day, which I vaguely remember happening last year, and I'm glad that we get to talk about it this year. It's coming up October 6th, so just a little over a week away. The name, I think, kind of says it all, right? Bring your Bible to school? That's right. It's just a really simple way. It's like, it's like a visual demonstration celebration nationwide of what students' most basic freedoms are. Because we've been hearing from more and more students the last few years, even the last few months, that are reporting to us that they're being told uh, things like, well, I don't know if you can have your Bible like that showing at my sense when you got to put that in your locker. Sure. Um, or... Yeah, and, and so that's not correct. That's not how our, our country was founded. It's not what our Constitution says. And this is just a fun and positive way to empower students to let them know what their rights are and to let them know they're not alone. Yeah, so I, I want to stick with that for just a second because I can see that being a big question, especially for parents who are saying, you know, I don't, yeah, this sounds great, have my kids take their Bible to school, but, you know, they go to a public school, and I'm really not sure that's something that they're allowed to do. And even if maybe it is, I don't know if I want to deal with if that becomes an issue. So h- how do you address that? Well, first of all, I would encourage them, the parents, to go to, to our website, bringyourbible.org, and just spend some time watching other parents and students sharing, because they address that directly, how they were kind of nervous about it, some of the fears they had. Uh, but then realizing that not only is it important to just do something simple like this to protect the freedoms of students and families in the future, because by doing the simple action, you're sending a message and doing it in a positive and loving way, in a way that protects freedoms of thousands of people that are going to walk in that school after you. Um, but not only that, but the amazing opportunities it creates just for conversations. We, we have really fun stories from students you know, there, there was a little elementary student that said he, there was a, a bully in his school that was telling the other Christian students what you believe isn't true. Mm. But yet, that morning, he got on a school bus with a bunch of Bibles that he was going to give to friends, and that bully was the first one to ask for one and has oh, been wow. reading it since. So it's, you just, you know, you actually wouldn't believe it if you didn't hear it from the student's mouth, how God uses just a simple act of faith, a, a simple act of obedience, um, to do something really easy, like just walk in the school door with your Bible. Sure, and I think that's that's one of the main focuses of this event is it's a student-led initiative, so it's not something that is being forced upon anybody or that everyone has to participate in or that crosses any legal boundaries because it's the students are taking this initiative. And then what better way, really, to enter into a conversation or have someone ask you to be able to begin a conversation than just by bringing your Bible to school? It seems so simple. Right. And, and you know, we we don't just say, you know, take your Bible and that's it. We also um, give them resources to help prepare for interactions that they might, might have. 
Um, so there are resources for elementary age teens about, you know, helping them prepare for conversations they might have, how, how they articulate why they believe the Bible's true, uh, how, how might they respond to challenges. You're not allowed to have that here in a loving or respectful way. Um, and just fun activities, too, that families can do beforehand, uh, before they even sure. get into school, just to encourage their heart. So, you know, I'd say there's kind of some meat around that and the resources that are made available for free uh, before they do the event on that day. Yeah, and that's all on your website, correct? Right, bringyourbible.org. Bringyourbible.org. I was looking at this the other day. You guys have a free guide up there with tips, like you mentioned, about getting started and ways to answer different questions in a, in a Christ-like, loving manner. You have activities there. You've got posters and stickers and T-shirts designs, just depending on how far people would like to go with this. It's a really, really great uh, resource. So my next question, though, is this. You know, we have the, the prayer at the poll day where everyone gathers on the flagpole and prays. Why, why a Bible? How is this different, and why is bringing a Bible so important? Like, why isn't everyone, you know, bring uh, the Chronicles of Narnia to school day? Why is it the Bible? Well, you know, one simple reason is because the Bible was where we were seeing censorship happen. We kept not only hearing from our own uh, constituents who would call us, but we kept seeing it in the news headlines over and over. Students, uh, you know, there was a fifth grader that just, his church gave him a Bible for Christmas. It became his favorite book. He just liked the adventure stories, as he put it, in the Old Testament, and it became his favorite book. Wow. And, you know, he brought, had free reading time where kids could read any book. And uh, as you can imagine, kids were reading all kinds of books. Yeah. And, but when he brought out his Bible to read, his, his teacher actually left a message for his parents saying that those kinds of books basically weren't allowed. Um, that's that's not accurate. That's not legal. Um, and we kept seeing that happen over and over, even if they were just, you know, walking down the hallway with the Bible. A teacher might say, are, are you sure that's allowed here? Maybe you need to keep that in your locker. It might offend someone. Um, so with, you know, there's something about God's Word, you know, yeah. and I, I think we have to... Acknowledge the spirit, spiritual element of that. Sure. Um, yeah, and so that's where it was centered around, and so that's why, you know, we wanted to do, to do something encouraging for students to say, no, no, you can bring your Bible to school and talk about it with friends as long as you're doing, you know, doing it in a way that doesn't disrupt instruction time. Right, right, and it's a it's a great way to have a day that everyone can do this together, and it's not something that necessarily is going to be strange if you bring your Bible to school, if your friends are also bringing their Bibles to school. I think it's fantastic. So how many years have you guys been doing this, and have you had uh, seen a lot of participation in it? Yeah, so that's the amazing thing. We just, we did the first one in 2014, oh, and we wow. had about 8,000, yeah, we had about 8,000 students participate. And then last year, it just blew our expectations out of the water. And we thought maybe it would double, but it just skyrocketed to 155,000 students wow. participating. Yeah, we were we were amazed. I mean, we were just thanking God for going beyond expectations, and um, and I think it shows the need too that people have that they need they have a need to feel empowered. And this gives them a simple way to do that to feel like they don't have to hide their faith or be ashamed of it. Um, and so, so we're hoping to double that this year. Double? Well, that would be amazing. So over three hundred thousand yeah. students taking their Bible to school on the same day. That's what we're expecting to see. And, and, you know, I love what you said about different levels. You mentioned you could do different levels of involvement because you sure. can be represented just as simple as, uh, you know, last year a lot of people 
took their picture with their Bible in front of their school and used the hashtag bring your Bible. Yeah. And that, yeah, that made it go viral. It was, um, you know, top, a top Facebook trend, which is amazing. That is amazing. And yeah. Um, so if you could, your involvement can be as simple as taking your Bible, taking a picture and, and doing the hashtag bring your Bible. Um, or you can get even more involved and download these, these elementary teen and parent pastor guides. Um, and, and I will just mention that, uh, just to make it fun for participants, we have a giveaway going on where everyone who signs up can win a free trip for four to see the Newsboys in Dallas and hear the band uh, and meet the band in person. So that's just a fun thing for participants this year as well. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's not just a matter of, hey, everybody take your Bible to school on October 6th. There's this hashtag, bring your Bible. So you want to take a picture with your Bible at school and, and post that on your social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you're at. But then there's also a way to sign up for this. Yes, so you sign up. That's a way to to help us gauge nationwide participation just by signing up. Tell us how many is participating in your group, sure. and then you by signing up you get the free guides that give you extra resources like posters and the sticker designs and things like that. Um, and then you have a chance to win this free trip to see the newsboys and meet them in person because they are, you know, they they have a real heart for these religious freedom issues. Uh, they sure. have songs that deal with this topic, and and so this is their way of encouraging kids as well. Right. We've seen that in God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead too obviously hey, right. they're they're very involved with these things so that's that's amazing that's great so sign up it's uh it's bringyourbible.com yeah bringyourbible.org as well .org. okay get you there yeah Okay, so they can go there, they can sign up, get all this information. I have one more question for you. Obviously, this is something that's geared more towards uh, the public school student because that would be where you would anticipate the uh, the potential um, problems with religious freedom. But what about uh, Christian school kids or private school kids? Is this something that they can participate in as well? Absolutely. This is through. We have we have students from kindergarten all the way up to college participating, and we oh, do I didn't have even a lot of think about schools. college students. That's yeah, yeah. We, we had college kids participate last year. Um, we have we do have a lot of private schools that will send us pictures with their whole school holding out their Bibles. So absolutely, they can participate. Um, homeschoolers can do fun activities in their community. Sure. Um, so so we don't limit participation that way. Um, now. We also um, encourage families to make it a day. Like we had, mm. we had families last year that their kids brought their Bible to school, and then the adults and maybe the older siblings brought theirs to work, and then they come home and talk about how how did that engagement go as a family. Uh, we had we had a family give Bible to a to the bus driver. They presented it to the bus driver as a family with a special note written in the front. That's so. so there's lots of ways. Yeah, so there's lots of ways to make it a family event. Fantastic. Well, um, Candy, thank you so much for sharing this information with us. It's October 6th, Thursday, hashtag Bring Your Bible, and you can sign up to be part of this uh, event online at bringyourbible.org. And if you go there, sign up, you have the possibility of winning a trip for four to hear the Newsboys in Dallas. Anything else, Candy? Am I missing anything? I don't, it's so no, good. You cover it. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for your heart for this and, and just uh, getting the word out to your audience. Oh, yeah. No, I, I can't wait. We uh, we actually have a Christian school here at uh, just outside our station. is a Christian school right across the playground, actually. So I'm going to do what I can to get these guys involved, and hopefully we'll get uh, some hashtag and some social media stuff going on the 6th as well. Candy, thank you so awesome. much for taking time to join us today. I appreciate it. Stay with us. This is KXL 101.1 FM, and we will be back in just a few minutes. 
And welcome back. We're wrapping things up on The Fertile Show. I'm Crystal Heath. It is Thursday. That was Amy Grant with El Shaddai. There's a song I haven't heard in a long time. It's got a lot of powerful stuff in there, though. I'd forgotten. Today's program has been brought to you by Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. Giannini State Farm offers insurance coverage for your home, auto, life, and banking needs. You can reach Mario's team by phone at 702-982-3300 or online at insurewithmario.com. Or, of course, you can stop by their office in the Tucson Plaza Shopping Center off of Lake Mead for a no-obligation insurance quote. Our thanks to Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance for their support of KVXL Programming. Reminder, Church Sunday, 9.30 and 11.15, you should come and join us. And the Sunday after Sunday, so not this one, but the one after that, October 9th, is our Harvest uh, Festival. We're going to be giving away pumpkins. There's going to be all kinds of animals outside that you and your children can pet. There's going to be ponies that your children can ride. Sorry, parents, you may not, but, uh, you know, you can you can pay for a trail ride. I can... I can hook you up with something like that. In fact, um, you know, I could probably just become a, a trail ride broker for you if you wanted where uh, you pay me a fee and then I could set that up for you. Um, be a nice little side job, I think. So if that's something you're interested in, you can let me know. I can hook you up with like a real horseback ride somewhere out in the desert. But on the 9th, your kids can come and ride ponies for free. Petting zoo will be free. We're going to have food trucks galore. And there is going to be some good stuff in these food trucks, so you want to be prepared for that, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you might want to start saving now because there's going to be so much yumminess outside that you're just not going to be able to resist. And that's all the time I have left for today. Thank you for being here. Hope you join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday. That means it's the last day of this week that I have to get up before the sun. And that is good news. This is Steve Green with Broken and Spilled Out. Have a great day, everyone.